Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. Through interviews with female entrepreneurs, Made It Happen is dedicated to inspiring others through stories of those who've experienced going out on their own firsthand, discussing all the highs and the lows. It can be easy to see the glamorous side of starting your own business through the internet and social media, but what does it really take behind the scenes to launch and run your own successful business? Listen in for tangible tips and advice for growing your business from those who have been there. Hear how these inspiring female founders made it happen. Hey everyone, welcome to Made It Happen Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling, and I am so excited for today's episode. It's featuring someone that I've been following for so long now. I've seen her speak at multiple conferences and events, and even just her content in general. I always get so much valuable insights and key takeaways, and I know you will from this episode too. It's featuring Shannon, the CEO and founder of The Social Bungalow, an education and media company that helps entrepreneurs structure ingenuous online businesses, as well as Bungalow Coffee, a coffee cafe in downtown Las Vegas Arts District. We talk all about how she went from her 9-to-5 corporate job to building her 7-figure marketing business, how to create quality content that organically sells and converts consumers, the key elements to having a successful launch that are often overlooked, how to cut through the noise with your offering and really stand out as an online business, and the mindset piece of being a business owner and how she manages this. So tune in, you won't want to miss this one. Okay, I am so excited to be speaking with Shannon, the CEO and founder of The Social Bungalow. So Shannon, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. I'm definitely excited to have you. Um, I've seen you talk multiple times. I've been following your content for so long and I always get so much value. So I'm so excited to, to speak with you today. And how about we start off with just having you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Well, well thank you for that. The Social Bungalow, I'll start there, is an online education company for entrepreneurs looking to structure their expertise into something that really makes sense, is super lean functional and optimized for them, but really easy for their consumer to self-select, make an investment, and then stay in their ozone forever and buy everything along the way. So really just making sure that we're optimizing our offer suites and then marketing them for big picture profit, teaching people how to do that in the online space. I love that. And I think it's definitely very much needed in the space right now. And so to start off, how did you first get into really the marketing industry to begin with? It kind of fell into my lap, actually. I was... um, wanting to do acting. And so I was doing a theater conservatory and film on the side and all this fun stuff. It's like 15 years ago. And my, so I was just working random jobs as I was doing this schooling and what have you. And a family friend had an agency and said, Hey, I need somebody to do social media management. And I know you don't have formal education in it, but you're about the right age. Do you want to do that instead of whatever you're doing as your day job type thing? And I was like, for sure, sign me up. This is back in the day where it was like a lot of blogging, a lot of Twitter, a lot of Facebook. MySpace was just recently on the outs. So it was still like, you know, kind of a bit of the Wild West and very much so short form narratives and like old school tactics and all that. 
but I really fell in love with the art of messaging because I'd always loved writing. And obviously like with theater, it was kind of transferable in that sort of putting on the persona of different brands, being an agency, I got to work with different clients. And I sort of felt just head, head over heels in love with, okay, well, if acting doesn't work out, I could do this marketing thing. Slowly but surely, I kind of turned my face towards more possibility in that industry and started to consume more and then get certifications and schooling. And then somehow I'm not Jennifer Aniston right now. So this is the way that that all turned out. Amazing. Well, I definitely love that sort of journey through it. And then, you know, once after that, can you tell us about then starting to build your own business and really building the social bungalow? Yeah. So from that, I'll kind of go back a little further from that one agency. I was there for maybe a couple of years before I moved into um, the clothing industry, doing marketing there, worked with some boutique lines. And then I moved into freelancing because I thought I could do it on my own. I'm like, you know what? I saw the agency do it. I saw these people in this industry do it. I could probably figure this out very hard, did not like figuring it out, went back to corporate. And I worked for a publishing company, which I loved helping authors market their books. And then I worked for a fitness franchise. And that was really cool because I got to travel across the country. Um, I was in the Hamptons in New York City and Miami, all these fabulous locations, helping to set up sales teams and do corporate marketing and franchise marketing. And then we got a deal with A-Rod, who then started dating J-Lo. So it was like this snowball of all these incredible things at once. And once I got like what I had grown up watching, like Mary-Kate and Ashley movies and like all these fabulous things back in the day where the, the woman would become a publicist and like jet set and meet the guy and all these things would happen. That's kind of what I had in my mind's eye with my marketing career, that it would get fabulous one, one day. And it did. And then once it did, it was kind of like this veil dropped and I was able to realize that there was more for me or I wanted something deeper or, or, or it was just kind of this like coming of, of time for me. And with that, I thought, you know what? I have much more experience. The internet is smarter. There are more resources. What if now is the time I go and I do that freelance thing again and I try to go out on my own? So I started side hustling with local mom and pops, thinking that working with people who are just so heart-centered and small businesses, and that was going to be something that would really, really light me up with depth. And it was not, not because the people weren't fabulous, but because they have such tight budgets and such big dreams. And it is really hard from a foot traffic perspective in the physical space to get somebody to get in their car, drive, spend their dollars, you know, walk through the door. So I found a client who was an online-based business owner and had a membership. She was also in fitness, so it was kind of this good stepping stone for me. And it opened up the shiny corner of the internet of female entrepreneurs selling their skill sets online in a digital capacity, mostly facilitating transformation and just insanely swift transformations in a humongous way for clients. And I was just lit up like a Christmas tree. So this was that kind of like clamoring around in the dark transition to say, this is the space I want to be in. And now I'm going to take this volume of expertise and all these different industries and hodgepodge of stuff in marketing and fuel it, channel that desire into this space. Amazing. Well, I, I definitely love that. And I think that it, you definitely saw sort of that need for it. And now building it up, you then built a seven figure business, you know, going from that nine to five. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, then that process once you did know exactly who your ideal client was and what you wanted to do with it? Can you take us through that journey of then, you know, really building that business up? Yeah, it, um, it was two years until the seven figure mark. Uh, the first year was a lot of just kind of figuring out my own offers and what this was going to look like. It was 
at the start, very corporate, the way that I was approaching marketing. And then I started to learn how easy it was to just operate from a relationship centered space because it's, you know, human to human in this easy peasy, you know, um, digital era where it's here are my skill sets. Can I help you right now with your immediate problem? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. So that first year figuring things out. And then in the second year, it was just kind of gasoline on the fire with the expertise that I came in with the offers that I'd figured out through trial and error. And then, you know, kind of off to the races from there. The thing that really helped me was diversifying my offer suite into do-it-yourself offers, done-with-you offers, and done-for-you. Because I was just doing done-for-you in that first year where I was selling my time in exchange for money. I was doing outsourced director of marketing stuff. Then I was doing marketing consultancy, uh, a hybrid package of the two, and all of this time, time, time. So when I started taking my marketing principles and putting it into group programs or into lower ticket for courses so that people could teach themselves or teach their own teams, that's when it really skyrocketed for me from there. Amazing. Yeah. I, I definitely, I think that's such like a fascinating space. And I think it's definitely, you know, great to see sort of the evolution, the growth of the company as it went. And, you know, with people with sort of the online space right now, what's would be sort of your number one tip on growing their business? So I know it's a very broad question, but I know you said they're having different offers might be sort of part of it or, um, you know, for the DIY versus the, um, you know, full package, sort of what would be your number one tip for someone growing an online business at this point? I would say doing one thing exceptionally well, no matter how big or how small you are, it's very easy in both of those capacities to say, you know, I just started and I really need to put myself out there and show my skill set. I have like 20 capabilities that I could do for one of my clients. Um, and I've got them all on a proposal or I've got all these, if this, then that pick your own adventure style options within my offer suite, because I want to prove myself that confused mind is going to take no action. And that's not going to, especially when you're newer or you don't have as much social proof to show results from past clients, that's not going to help you stand out for this person who's still building trust with you. When you're more advanced, you might think, you know, I've been at this game for a while. There is a lot I can do. I do have a ton of experience and it's, I don't really want to limit myself to just one main specialty focus. I do these three things. There's a way to take those three main things you do and have an umbrella position that that is your cut through the noise, stake in the ground. This is what I do. And this is how I do it in the simplest way for these people. And that thing, when you repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, it helps with retention. It helps you cut through the noise and it it causes people to repeat it themselves. Oh, you're looking for that friend? Well, so-and-so I just heard on their Instagram stories five times in the past two weeks does X, Y, and Z exceptionally well. That might be your person. And once they get into your ozone, it can be a sticky web where your content and your stories and all these great things do some of that heavy lifting for you. It nurtures the individual. And then when they're more ready and they fill out the application or you talk about your offer, they're primed, they're aware, and they're at this point where they can hear more about the volume of your capabilities instead of that being something that we're trying to constantly communicate because that's going to create heaviness, not only in our offer suites, but in our marketing. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I definitely agree. And I think that's definitely something a lot of people do is they want to have something for everyone, have all of these options so people can choose, but it, yeah, it can be overwhelming when you have that much going on. So I think that's a great piece of advice and great way to look at it. And you touched on Instagram stories there and with all of your content and anytime I've heard you speak, you're always one step ahead of that next marketing trend. You're always just right on top of things. So how do you stay up to date in this sort of atmosphere when things are over, like changing so quickly day to day? Well, it's funny you say that because I don't feel like that at all because I actually don't really pay attention to trends. And by the time there's a new feature out on Instagram, I'm like, 
seven weeks later by the time I finally adopt it. I don't usually stay on that too intensely because I prefer, so I love that it looks that way. So thank you. (laughs) But from a mental health perspective, I am not all up in the craziness of that. Um, I like to just operate from a synonymous or a consistent strategy and then come what may with the features. And for me that I said, the sticky web, that's what it is for, for the way that I teach marketing in this online space is to make it so that when someone comes into your ozone, they typically need four to 11 touch points in order to be ready to make some sort of confidence commitment, which is what I call either filling out the application, reaching out to you in the DMS or going for forward with purchasing something. That could be low ticket, that could be high ticket, no matter what you have. And so in the process of getting them to have four to 11 touch points with you, we need to have our digital storefront be sticky so that they come in and they want to stay. They want to touch every little item on the shelves, all that fun stuff. With that, the first touch point might be they find you on Instagram and they consume one of your posts. Your post references your story or your highlight. They go and consume that. From your highlight, it references the link in bio, which is your freebie. They opt in. Now they're on your email list and the free resource. They're getting your newsletter. Your newsletter references your blog. Your blog has another freebie. They're in on that freebie. When they opt in there, maybe the follow-up email sequence actually pitches a low ticket offer. And then here we are 10 touch points later, and they just bought your $147 you know, content that converts package or course. You didn't lift a finger except for doing the content and doing the sticky web digital marketing stuff that you were already going to do anyways, but now you did it in a way that really all cohesively looped to one another, simply done by just calling out another piece of content as your call to action instead of constantly calling out the latest feature or this 24-hour story. I think you should be present on your stories, but I think the real estate of all of our past content is underutilized because we're all very focused on new and more and what's happening what's going on. I prefer to kind of quiet that noise, produce quality content. And I think when you have a um, leading with value and treating anybody kind of in your charge, i.e. anybody in your audience, like a customer by putting forth that level of care, which can be time consuming, but it pays off in dividends. So if you're going to spend your time somewhere, you you are in in a business, you're going to spend it somewhere in your marketing, you might as well spend it in quality. That web is going to produce a purchase organically. Purchases are emergent properties of relationships in digital marketing, and we have the ability to love on someone, build trust, and build authority automatically, and then have a purchase happen by proxy. Who cares that Reels just came out with the ability to put a sticker on it? I don't, personally. Yes, no, I definitely agree. And I think that's such a great process to go about it in ways that, especially like you said about the content, you know, creating that valuable content and leading them to one another. And that really gets use of all of the content you've already been building. And, you know, especially with things going right now, it might only be there for a couple of days and then people don't see it anymore. So really bringing it back to that, I think is so important. And that leads into my next question, where is, you know, Launching and selling out is really sort of one of your key areas of expertise. And so what's one piece of advice that you would give to someone that is key in having a successful launch that maybe gets overlooked sometimes? Mm. I would say a lot of times people think about their launch as the open cart window. So I'm opening from Tuesday to Tuesday and I'm going to have a fast action bonus at the top and at the back and close cart urgency and all that stuff. And that stuff is good. And, you know, of course, when done in integrity and in total honesty, it works well. But that is the, I would say, final 15% of your launch. 
the uh, rest of that, <laughs> what math did I just do? The rest of the 85% is everything you do prior. I tell people to either have a one, a two, or a three month ramp up period to pivot the conversation towards what you're selling. Now, three months, an entire quarter dedicated to pivoting a conversation seems like a lot, but if you are going to live launch something that's $5,000, you might really need to take your current audience on a journey. Or in that instance, you might be launching two things. You launch a small product at the top of the 90 days, you let them consume, you pivot the conversation. And then the next thing you sell 90 days later is the next step in that journey. So you wanted to kind of piggyback them, et cetera. Personally, my favorite is a 60 day ramp up. So you have eight weeks in that eight week timeframe. Week number one, day number one, you are starting with pivoting the conversation towards the topic that you are going to teach on or you're going to facilitate in your service. You can launch any of your offers. You could be a course creator, a coach, or a service provider. does not matter. You start to pivot towards that. And you need to, in this ramp up, have them hit these milestones, as I call them, three main milestones of rewiring and reinstalling beliefs so that they can see why your offer, your solution is for them. This is something that I think for all marketing, so not just related to launching, um, is super paramount for you guys if you want to kind of like take this, write this down. Instead of presenting your offers like an improvement on their current situation, which is what almost everybody does, get better, get more productive, figure this out, get the answers, get the script, get the swipe, present it as a completely new way Finally, at long last, I'm excavating the root cause of the problem. And I'm not just hacking at the branches like everybody else. I am uprooting it from the trunk. And even if it is the same thing that other people are selling, they're just positioning it as something that's going to make it better, faster, swifter. You come in, you cut through the noise because yours is different. Yours is proprietary and yours is a new approach that is finally available to them. That will turn everybody's face towards your offer because nobody knows the inner workings of every single person on the market's approach and what they teach or what they facilitate. All they can see is the marketing messaging. So your messaging is let's do something new and different to finally get you the solution. Typically we're working with pretty smart consumers. These individuals have for a good amount of time been on the internet, been served ads, opened emails. They've probably also tried other solutions to this current problem that they have, and maybe even other solutions that aren't auxiliary to yours that are the same to yours. So they have a bad taste in their mouth that you're needing to overcome from somebody else's course that they bought that didn't work for them. With this, if you try to hack at the branches and just say that this one is going to be different this time, I promise, but it's the same exact thing, it is going to, you will struggle to sell. If your messaging is, this is new, this is different, and this is why this is finally what you need, it will help you. So ramp up period, you have eight weeks. We have three main milestone markers that we want to achieve throughout that time. Those milestones are the belief that they need to have at this point, number one, the belief at this point, number two, the belief at this point, number three, and now we're going to open cart and finally give them the opportunity to purchase the thing that's going to really step them into this solution and this desired future state. Whereas I see most people approach launching with, let me just do all of the FOMO and all the bonuses and all the exciting, enticing, persuasive messaging to get my offer to look as attractive as possible. And that's, nobody wants that. It's just a feature dump versus a benefit stack or anchor that we want to pedestal them towards. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's such great advice and such a great journey to take them through, especially because, you know, a lot of the times if you go and do the launch and then it doesn't sell out or you didn't get the numbers you want, you think, oh, it's the content itself, but it really, it's that leading up to the journey. People need to know exactly what it is you're offering them. And you actually just had one of your biggest launches recently with the um, sophisticated CEO. So do you want to tell us a little bit about this journey and what you really learned from this big launch? 
Totally. Thank you. Sophisticated CEO Suite is my new signature offer, but it's not really new because it's really just a like Tupperware that I put all of my knowledge inside of. Prior, all of the knowledge was out in separate containers. It was here's content, here's Instagram, here's launching, here's evergreen funnels, here's paid ads, blah, 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 blah which was great. And it was great because over the past four years of the business, I have built each of those independent offers by uh, way of request of my audience. They have said, I know you know about paid ads, but you haven't taught it to us yet. Could you? Because now we feel like we're ready. And I'm like, heck yeah. So then I'd build that offer. And then they'd say, okay, this was great. And my conversions are wonderful, but I want to go in and um, really refine my finances from a business perspective. Can you help us with our business models? Absolutely. And a lot of these things were pieces that I was doing in high ticket containers with my one-on-one clients. So I'd really gotten to refine the practice through the process of individualized work, call that five, 10, 15, 20 clients to then take it into a way where I've had enough different experiences to be able to teach it to the masses and coursify it. So here's a course, here's a course, here's a group program, blah, 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 blah. From there, I leaned out and I ended up with six main offers, these separate pieces that we're talking about. And while those are all still available, they are now put into the container of Sophisticated CEO Suite. So that is now a six-month package to where you get the six core curriculums and there's like a getting started guide and how to go through them to achieve your unique goals. But in in addition to just the curriculum is also support from me because you can get so far with my brain on business but being able to have me in your pocket to ask daily questions and then also look at the work that you are doing to say, here's the email I wrote for open cart. Here's my messaging or my launch mission for everything you just said about anchoring this and creating this as something new. Did I nail that? I review it. I give you feedback. And then you go from there. So six months of support where it's Q&A, it's monthly master classes, and it's me reviewing every whatever you want me to review every single month from there in that timetable sort of as this new hybrid approach to online business. Yeah, it's just incredible hearing everything that's in. And I think bringing all of those assets that everyone needs into one big bundle, I think is so important. And I love sort of hearing about the journey of that uh, course and that we're programmed all together. And and now I want to sort of switch a little bit of gears into the bungalow coffee. And can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what made you decide to open this business? So in this episode, we've been really talking about how to stand out with your online business. And I'm going to talk a little bit about another way you can really stand out and amplify your voice, your messaging, build brand awareness around your company, reach new audiences and conversions. And that is through the power of podcasting. The podcast industry has been growing rapidly over the past few years, and it does not seem to be slowing down anytime soon and for a good reason. When I started my podcast, I wasn't too sure how to start, where to start. I didn't know anyone with a podcast. I didn't really have that community I could turn to. And that's something that I really wish was out there at the time. Now I want to help other ambitious women looking to start their own podcast in a seamless, easy way, and also to make it a successful podcast. It's one thing to put it out there. It's another thing to really put it out there with a bang. And that is where the step-by-step podcast launch program comes in. It is to help ambitious women elevate their voices through the power of podcasting through an eight-week course where you'll be able to take your idea and turn it into a podcast. 
no matter what stage you're at within the journey, we can help you really take that and put it out to the world with a successful podcast, as well as go through everything that you need in order to launch and manage it. Now, what is going to make this program really different is that it is specifically for women. And this is so that we are there to support one another, bounce ideas off of, cheer each other along the way. It's just something I really wish I had when I was starting my podcast. And I think it's just so powerful to have that community behind you, which we will have through various chats, through group calls. There's also going to be one-on-one coaching, on-demand learning, and we are going to cover everything you need to know in order to have a successful podcast. Now, the start date is August 15th, and the doors are currently open. So if you want to learn more, you can go to elevatepodcastco.com and go to programs, or you can also email me, DM me, send me a message to see if this is the right fit for you. I hope to see you there, and I can't wait to help you bring your idea into the world through a podcast. Yes. So hearkening back to me trying to side hustle and freelance with uh, small businesses. And I was like, well, this is hard. I don't know if I like this. Now I have to do it for myself. So (laughs) Um, what ultimately my husband and I had this first date conversation even of what we like big pie in the sky. We're both in corporate at this point. And um, we both love coffee. It was something that we were like bonded about at first. And it was a one day we'll open a coffee shop dream. And then we got super into it together, like going to, you know, understanding everything about origins and beans and the science of it. It's like kind of being a sommelier like wine is when it comes to specialty coffee. So it's like a whole thing. I won't bore you guys with it. But as we went through this journey, it was not only furthering our knowledge and our excitement, but it was just this rooted in like sweetness dream that we had at the same time when we had actually a whole uh, brand for it, not anything we created, not anything that was like, there was no color palette. There were no fonts. It was just this idea that we would talk about and whatnot. And one day as the social bungalow has now started, it's a couple years in, it's going really well. We have some money in the bank. He came to me and he's like, you know what? I feel like this idea that we had for that coffee shop really would need to be bungalow themed. Like if we were to ever do that one day, the volume of people in this community for us to be able to take this digital space and make a physical embodiment of it, like how fun and the brand that's been built around it and the the heart of it and the core values of it. And that was literally all he had to say. And I basically had us a coffee shop in like a month from there. So it worked out really well though, that it was on our radar. We were at a financial point where we were ready for it. We did not know fully what we were getting ourselves into, but um, a local coffee shop had um, needed to close due to COVID. They just could not make it the rest of the way through. So we grabbed that building, flipped it, got a new lease, and then opened up about six months later in March of 2021 when COVID was kind of sort of stopping, but it was still pandemic. And so we were still on like regulations with people who could be there, at least in Las Vegas. That's um, how it was going at the time. Masks for the first like eight months and all of that. So we did open in a pandemic, but we were very um, fortunate to be on the tail end of that and then continue growing from there now that the world has opened back up more. And it has been a challenging, enriching, extremely rewarding journey of being not only in a physical brick and mortar and the fear of that, like, is somebody going to get in their car and drive here and actually show up? 
but also figuring out how much supply and demand I have every single day. Like I need so many tickets to come through that door and it's a low ticket exchange for a cup of coffee. So I need to then increase it with food and I need to then side hustle and do some events and get a coffee cart and like all of these things we do to make another separate baby fully functional and profitable, which it is thankfully, um, has been, like I said, challenging, but extremely rewarding to figure out this entire time too. I love that. And I'm I'm curious to know, what did you find sort of the biggest difference in building sort of your online business versus, um, you know, like you said, the brick and mortar business, was there sort of one big difference you maybe weren't expecting when you went into the next business venture? Hmm. They're so different in nature. And there's like, basically the thing that about an online business is that there are no products except for your brain. And so to, which is not necessarily harder I'm putting in quotes, but it can be mentally and emotionally more challenging than even dealing with a hundred different customers in a day physically, because you are as an online business owner, a small business owner, you either have no team or very small limited team. So everybody's in multiple seats straddling a lot. And you are the person who cares the most doing a lot of the roles, wearing all of the hats. Your head is only so big. You can't wear all those dang hats. And then simultaneously you are the product, you are the face, you are the facilitator, you are customer service. And when somebody has a complaint, it's a complaint typically about you. And there's just so much that's coming at you mentally and emotionally. That I think is more challenging than making a really good cup of coffee and keeping somebody happy in, you know, the music and the vibe is high in a physical space. So honestly, that's been really rewarding to be in a, a, I am not the product industry. It's been very nice. However, the beauty of the online space, the speed and the depth and everything that can happen over here, how quickly we can convert, how quickly we can make deep friendships, lifelong, you know, client relationships, somebody coming to you and saying like, you literally saved my life essentially. And depending on what we facilitate is so worth, and that's why we're all in it. It's so worth the stress that I just alluded to or described. And then in the physical space, you know, it's thank you. I had a great experience, but it's not, you changed my life because I ate a panini. So (laughs) Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That definitely makes sense. And it's great to sort of get the insight into sort of both sides of those different business worlds. And you mentioned, you know, there is definitely challenges in both of them. What have you found to be the biggest challenge overall in really growing a business? I would say it is probably what I just explained is like the mental side of it, the mindset side of it. I am very driven. I'm a type I'm Enneagram three. I'm a Capricorn. If you have a personality test, I'm the ambitious one in every capacity. And in the early days of my business, my online business, I was like, I see, I see you mindset work, uh, but I don't need you. I'm okay. Like I'm driven and I'm just going to plow forward and I'm going to figure it out. And if there's a bad day, fine, I'll figure it out. That only lasts so long until like death of a thousand nicks where this tiny thing and this tiny thing. And then you wake up one day and you're like, what is this like weird avoidance I'm in? What is this like resentment towards my clients? What is this? Like, I just can't, I brain fog and I can't seem to focus on my projects and all this stuff that's happening. And that is, you know, procrastination or avoidance driven by burnout, basically the hangover of compartmentalizing and not being in a healthier space, but you don't know what you don't know until you're in it. So I think really taking time and space to have boundaries when something flares up for you in the first moment it flares up and taking a peek at it. Am I flaring up right now, maybe with this client, because the way in which they're approaching this is total scope creep. 
which can be on me because maybe my contract or my early conversations were not clear enough. And this is now an opportunity for me to better this, have a conversation with them and then, you know, move forward in the right way. So this doesn't keep happening or is it just this particular person? And I need to look a little bit deeper about what it is about them that is bringing this up for me and kind of the journey of owning a business is going to stretch you so much and you almost don't totally realize it when you're all like stars in your eyes excited at the beginning. Um, but you know, you know, in theory, you just don't know in practice. So when the practice of it is there, I would say leaning into your personal development and leaning into your relationships because the stretching, you can either break the, the rubber band can snap under it or your bandwidth can increase and you can get stronger at the same time. So I would say, and I'm sure everybody listening to this is like, yes, that's exactly how it's been for me. That it's, it honestly, there's pro tips and there's tactics and there's hacks. And at the end of the day, it's like, if you are not protecting yourself mentally and emotionally, spiritually, whatever that means for you, you will not be able to be the product and be the head of finance and be PR and be customer service and everything you need to, as you build this thing, and then you get more people to support you. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. I think so many people will be able to relate to that and have gone through that. And it's great to sort of have those, you know, ways in which you can kind of overcome those barriers that everyone really does face at one point or another in owning a business. And on the other side of that, has there really been one moment that stands out to you as, you know, a big success moment or almost like a pinch me moment you've had in your business? There's so many, I mean, everything along the way and every new milestone that you achieve because it looks cool on paper or because it was something you always wanted. And then it gets, you know, you don't get less grateful, but it does get bigger, almost like the bandwidth of expectation. Like the first six figure launch, insane. The like first time I had more than one employee and then they're full-time, let alone now we have between the two businesses, like 12 people's livelihoods that I have to make sure I'm responsible for. Like things just continually increase and that's why hearkening back to the beginning, keeping everything lean as possible because your business will get bigger. It will get heavier. And if your backpack is too full of rocks, you will not make it to the top of the mountain type thing. And that's been a big learning lesson along the way is being flexible and innovating and leaning, 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 and just leaning into leaning out type thing. So yeah, I mean, I, we could spend the whole podcast talking about like the gratitudes of just like wild stuff and a lot of it, I would say ultimately like taking myself out of the equation and looking at what's happened for clients and these people and the beautiful messages that they've written to say like, which is so it's, it's so on them to like show up, to choose me, to commit to themselves, to, to commit to me, but also to invest in themselves and financially and all that. And then once they're in that, like that whole barrier is one thing. Once they're in the contract to dig in, to do the work, to consume, to understand, to implement, to iterate, to, to stretch themselves to do the scary stuff with their clients. Cause I help B2B, but when you help an individual B2C for them to actually go and like follow the meal plan or have the conversation with their spouse or work on their debt consolidation, like it's hard stuff that we teach a lot of times for them to dig in and do it. And then come and say, you know, I'm thankful to myself. This is the, the client because I did the work, but without that guidance or knowledge or that clarity, I would not have been able to get there is just like, you know, I could cry chef's kiss that that's the stuff, you know, that the dreams are made of. (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent. I think it's so great sort of hearing that feedback and seeing really the impact that your work is having on clients and just really it's, it can just lead to so much. And so it's great to sort of see that you see everything that, you know, comes from that. And one question I always love to ask us too, is if you had one piece of advice you were giving to someone who was thinking of starting a business or maybe just right in those early startup stages right now, what sort of advice would you give to them? I think 
like I was saying before about doing one thing exceedingly exceptionally well, and I've said leaning out a few times and presenting your offer as something new, really that is the three things that I would try to drill home. So I have to just kind of harken back to that. Pick that one thing that it is that you can do really good and get yourself clear on how you can present that as something different and how your offer is then lean but exceptional and gets people results and just sell and get results and sell and get results. And that snowball will build down the mountain. It'll get faster and faster. The snow will pack, 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 pack into it. And you'll wake up and have this incredible business and or have so much demand that you get to diversify your offer suite and take what you're facilitating and teach it in a self-study container, create passive income, turn it into a hybrid style thing where your course now has maybe an upgrade to it where there's a group program. So there's calls that you guys can get onto. From there, if they want to graduate into an alumni package of one-on-one intimacy for a high ticket. Now here we are even just a year later charging, call it $10,000 for what was previously $1,000. And now it's turned into three separate, like this just can build and build and build for you when you get lean and deep out of the gate and you communicate that everybody calls it niching down. It's not so much about having such a specific, specific niche. It's about what you facilitate and the benefit for people coming out in a way that you so totally own and you repeat all of the time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's such great advice. And I think it's such a great structure that, you know, you can really build around this whole business that you just laid out. And do you have some future plans coming up for your business that you'd like to share and also let people know where they can go to find you online? Yeah. So nothing too new because the release of sophisticated CEO suite, which as the, at the time of recording, this just ended three weeks ago. Um, is now in facilitation mode, in delivery mode for the first six months, but it's an ever enrolling package. So your month one could be somebody else's month three. You can come in at any point. You start in your curriculum, you start in on your six months. So that is now the new era of the business instead of the multiple offers, which you can still buy individually. They just don't come with support. It's now, if you want the big kahuna, here are the six curriculums and here's the six months of support is what we are preaching forever and ever. Amen. So getting through, where are we? Middle, we're in summer. So getting through the rest of the six months of 2022 and just refining the evergreen funnel now to sell that, maybe doing another launch of it and making sure that narrative is communicated with my audience of like, this is the new way. Um, And then stepping into 2023 and having that be more streamlined, that'll be year five of business for me. And at year five, I'm finally at this point where I'm like, I have one signature offer. It's incredible. It is refined. And this is what I want to do going forward. Continuing to grow the coffee shop. We also have our offices on the third floor above the coffee shop. So we have team and we have events and just like side hustles and that both for coffee shop side hustle and then for like local events or influence influencers, entrepreneurs who come to town and host their retreats and whatnot. So it's kind of like these auxiliary baby businesses spinning at the same time. And I'm just in a state right now of spinning everything in the most lean and clean way possible so that I can have a little bit more space in and white space mentally, but space in my life to reclaim time and continue to lean into growth and peace and being a better leader for my team and being a better facilitator for my clients. So um, the new thing for me is nothing new. I want nothing new. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to just continue to follow along the journey and, and everything that's to come. And I always just like to uh, finish off with a quick little rapid fire question. So if you just want to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. So owning your own business means. 
Owning my own business means freedom is what I, that's not even just the first thing that comes to mind. That is really ultimately what it is for me coming from the corporate world and stepping into like, at first it was the tiniest things, which I'm sure anybody who's gone from being somebody else's employee to being their own boss experienced. It was this tiniest little thing of, I like to have so many beverages all day. I like to always have like three beverages at once. I have a juice, I have a coffee, I have a water always. Then I have a lemon and then I have a cacao, like it's the whole thing. And I would pack all of that in this massive lunchbox to go to corporate every day. And I would be going into the kitchen all the time. And it was like a running joke and people People would make me, you know, like memes and all of that. I had a whole big lemon squeezer. The simplest thing when I first started my own business, it was hard. It was scary financially. What am I going to do? All that stuff. But I was like, oh my gosh, my beverages. I get to have and make my own beverages. And that is just built and built and built with the ability to travel, um, obviously COVID and things like that, that has changed it. But the ability to work where I feel more inspired or I'm really big about cycle syncing. If you're a woman who has a menstrual cycle and really making sure that you're not mentally hard on yourself because some weeks you're going to be more vibrant and able to film and some weeks you're going to be deeper and able to write. All of those things, the freedom to ebb and flow kind of, I'm not overtly woo, but like energetically, physically, and do what's right for me has felt so liberating. And then the freedom by which I can, on my timetable, I can choose to go through seasons of hustle. I can choose to lean out and take fewer clients, be able to facilitate change for people and still feel healthy at the same time is paramount for me. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, one word to describe your business. Hmm. We, our core value is radical care. So I'm going to go with a two word as a sandwich, radical care. We, like I said, if somebody's in our charge, like if you come and I didn't answer that part of the question, it's the social bungalow on Instagram. So if you come and connect with us on Instagram and say, hello, you are going to be treated as if you're the best friend that I've never had and, or already a client and all of those things just not only because we care and we want to get to know you, but because that is such an integral part of how the business and the brand operates from radical care. Love that. Um, someone you look up to. Someone I look up to. There's so many people. Right now, who I've been kind of studying has been um, a friend turned, well, a mentor turned friend, Rick Mulready. He has his, if you guys you know, don't know me, he has his own great podcast. And um, he's all about the optimized CEO. And he do, talks about leaning out and how to have a more impactful business, a more profitable business with working m- much fewer hours. And that's been, like you guys can tell right now, that's been something that's super important to me as of late. And um, I was on his podcast and then he was really into coffee. So I sent him coffee and then we started a friendship. And then recently he has just one signature offer called Accelerator. And that's all he talks about. And that's all he facilitates. And it's really inspiring to see him have a multi-million dollar business off of just one signature offer. And every year there is a retreat attached to that offer. And he actually came to Vegas. He's in San Diego. And then his clients are all over the country. Some, some people international, but um, he actually came to Vegas and he hosted his accelerator retreat at our offices upstairs. And then the coffee shop facilitated the food and, um, you know, the catering package. And that was like such a pinch me full circle moment of this like person I look up to mentor and friend and getting to meet them in person and do that. So I would say if you guys don't know who Rick Mulready is, go check him out because he also does not have a, an intense amount of marketing, but he does have an intense amount of money. And so it's really nice to see somebody who's able to do things more simply with just his main platforms. Amazing. I'll definitely be checking him out. A book you'd recommend? If somebody hasn't read Traction, 
by Gino Wickman. Highly recommend all about the entrepreneurial operating system, but a lot of people have read that. So one that you might not have heard of is Leaning In, speak just to keep it on my leaning conversation, by Ash Moria, M-A-U-R-Y-A. And it's all about, you know, leaning out your entrepreneurial experience. And then once you read that book, there is a follow-up about scaling lean. And that one I really love as well. Amazing. And a non-negotiable you have is? Non-negotiable I have is, I naturally go to like kind of personal life, like seeing my niece and things like that, which of course, but I want to give you guys something businessy too. I would say this isn't necessarily non-negotiable came to mind, so might as well share it. I am not or I try to not be influenced by somebody else's timetable by which they chose to reach out to me. So you chose to text me right now. You do not need to get a response right this second when I am in the middle of like trying to make a breakthrough with this curriculum so that I can change people's lives. Like I don't need to write you back right this second and get out of a flow state. Um, if some if a client boxers me, I have windows by which I respond. I do not need to pick up my phone and respond and then have stress happen right now. Um, I have a zap using Zapier from my communities where I facilitate support. Anytime somebody posts, has a question and a need for me, I have my own schedule by which I answer those questions. So seeing them ping all day was stressing me out. And I felt like I constantly needed to be in there and then I couldn't get anything else done and I couldn't get into a flow state. So now what I do is I have a zap to where when somebody asks a question, it sends me an email, but then I have a filter in Gmail where that email gets automatically filtered into a subfolder. So when it is my time to answer the questions, I don't go to the community and get overwhelmed with notifications and posts and feel like an angry mob needs me and I've been neglecting them. I go over to my inbox and I can peruse and see, okay, these are the questions. Let me type about some answers separate from the community. Now I'm going into the community feeling so elated to share what I've already mapped out for them versus feeling behind the eight ball. So I would say building in notification filters has been, and then boundaries and timetables by which in my schedule has been a huge thing for me. And so non-negotiably, I attempt as I might to not let myself be at the mercy of the moment that people need me is not necessarily the moment that I am to be responding. Yes, absolutely. I think that's so important. Those boundaries and those processes in place that just really make it more at ease to go through all of that, I think is is so important. Such great advice. So thank you so much, Shannon, for joining me here today, sharing all of your great advice, sharing your story. I can't wait to continue to follow along. So thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Such thoughtful questions. So good to chat with you. Thanks so much for tuning in to Made It Happen Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And thanks again for all your support. I'll see you next week.